All right, what's up, guys? My name is Carter. Um, welcome to another week of the CNR Reporter podcast. So this is a podcast for the natural crossroads of students, faculty, and the CNR Reporter. So we're going to get straight to the point here with Dr. Robbie, who is a CNR professor, and we're going to talk about a little bit of about student involvement. So I hope that you guys get to learn more about your instructors and professors. Uh, and then we're going to get to hear about the great things that uh, our professors do for the university. So before I introduce our third guest today, uh, I want to make sure that you guys check out the CNR Reporter. There's uh, going to be some rock hunts with the SSC this week. It's Zoom coming. And there's also a lot of career fairs that you can sign up for in RSVP on Sway. There's also um, emergency relief grants that the university is offering. And then there's also going to be some office hours with the peers. So tune into those. There's going to be some painting, some falconry talk. Uh, I hope that you guys uh, look forward to that in some of your emails. Um, so now we'll get to Dr. Robbie. Can you, do you want to introduce yourself? Can you tell us a little bit where you grew up and how you got to Stevens Point? Sure. Well, first, Carter, just want to say thanks for the opportunity to talk on this podcast, but also for doing this. Um, I think it's great that, you know, find different different ways to, to reach our students and other and other people. And I know um, uh, I got a lot of friends that are really into podcasts. So thanks for thanks for tackling this. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I've actually been at Stevens Point now for seven years. Um, so I'm associate professor of fisheries and water resources. Uh, however, I actually came here for my master's degree. So I graduated with my master's uh, in 2006 and um, I was studying walleye spawning habitat. And at that point is kind of where I, I really figured out I wanted to be a professor and went down to uh, North Carolina State University where I studied uh, dam removals and, and fish uh, passage, both as a PhD and a postdoc. Um, met my wonderful wife down there and then got the offer to come here and, and really couldn't couldn't turn it down so that's kind of what what brought me here i was familiar with it i wouldn't say it was my grand plan that i had to come back to point but uh definitely very mm -hmm. very happy that i have so so when you were a kid do you think that you were more of like a, a bookworm or more of like a don't get caught in the barbed wire just let yourself go like, did you know that you were always going to be kind of outdoorsies Sure, sure. Yeah. So ever since I was little, I was always out outside, whether it was bike riding, but um, lots of times in the woods out back, you know, just parents let us roam around there, build forts and all that. But then I always was really drawn, drawn to water um, and to fish. So both my, both my grandparents had second homes. Uh, one was on a lake cottage and one was on a land uh, with, with some ponds and, and streams and just absolutely loved all those aspects. And uh, did some really cool trips out west, uh, up to Alaska as well. And it was always the fishing and the water that, that really caught my attention. And so, yes, definitely outside at the same time. I, for, you know, gifts for Christmas and birthday, I'd ask for things like um, field guides and, um, you know, fishing books and, and, you know, fly how to tie flies and that type of stuff. So, mm -hmm. honestly, a little, bit of, a little bit of both. A combination child. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, how did you narrow down that you wanted to uh, do your master's here versus uh, like a lot of the other places uh, in the United States? How did you narrow down even your PhD too? Sure. Yeah. So um, going into undergrad, I was actually really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was not the wisest of high school students. Uh, my mom actually went to Stevens Point and she's like, hey, you should, you should check out Stevens Point. They got all these outdoor things. And 
you know, I kind of wanted to be the cool high school kid and not listen to, you know, your parents and kind of mm-hmm. wish I would have. But uh, anyways, I ended up at a small liberal arts school called Augustana College uh, in Rock Island, Illinois, the, the QC, the Quad Cities. And um, was kind of, I was undecided or undeclared and was thinking about either being a psychology major or a biology major. And I took one sci- psychology class and decided that was, that was not for me. <laughs> Um, and I, I really liked the biology classes. However, it was when I found uh, I added an environmental studies minor, and that was just way more applied at learning about ways that we can protect our resources. Um, and I just absolutely love that compared to you know the cell biology and the you know genetics type of things. Um, and so, really started to kind of gravitate towards towards that, and got a really cool internship actually at um, UW Milwaukee, where. Um, my internship was actually feeding fish poop to worms to see if it was a viable way to get rid of uh, waste and potentially have a, you know, something else to sell. Um, but that's where I got into doing some research and um, it really was in my aquatic ecology class in undergrad um, that I, I even knew this was an, a, a career option and just loved, literally loved going to class. I didn't, I never had that feeling before and, and got to know my professor and, and just got a better sense of some of the different jobs where before that I, I really just, I just didn't know. Um, and so right out of, right out of undergrad, I got um, a job at the DNR as a water resources specialist where I would write permits or, or review permits and, and um, do wetland um, delineations and those type of things. Um, but also, so that was half my time. And then the other half of the time I was a fisheries technician. So I actually had two part-time jobs and it was really that fisheries technician job that I absolutely loved. And it was kind of funny. I got offered a second fisheries technician job. So I was going to have to quit my water resources one. And my boss called me mm-hmm. in and he's like, Josh, you've been doing great, but this position just got cut. And I was like, so I was kind of happy that I didn't have to quit. Um, so it's kind of mm-hmm. funny how that happened, but so absolutely loved the fish technician job. It was, it was so much fun. Um, but at that point I realized that I kind of wanted to be longer term. I wanted to be a biologist and that required going on for grad school, but also I really needed grad school since I, I went to such a more general college. I just didn't have, you know, some of the fisheries and aquatic uh, aspects that I, that I needed. So that's what brought me to uh, Stevens point. I, I was interested um, in, I really wanted to go out West. Um, that was always kind of one of my dreams was to go to a school out there. And I applied a little bit, um, but nothing ever was quite perfect. I did get offered a, a position at, at Michigan, um, but really this was just uh, the best fit. It was a project I was excited about. Um, again, with grad school, a lot of times in our fields, um, you, can, you can get some stipends, you can get tuition assistance. And um, yeah, everything was just kind of right at Stevens Point and, and went for it. And it was, it was definitely a, a really good decision. So you talked about doing a few LTE positions uh, yep. beforehand. Um, would you recommend students do LTE positions beforehand? Or do you think uh, it works just as well to go into like your master's or uh, in straight into your PhD? Yeah. Like, was yeah. that helpful for you? Sure. Yeah. So that's a great question that everybody, you know, is kind of interested in. Um, uh, for me, I, I did actually get offered one position here um, at Stevens Point right out of uh, undergrad, but it, it just wasn't there really wasn't a project and it was just kind of vague. And so I, I decided it wasn't quite right for me. Um, and so for me, it was great. I, I got experience for about a year only. Um, and I, it really, really helped me, especially on the fishery side, since I, I just didn't have any of that background. Um, lots of times what I tell students is 
you know, do what, do what's right for you. Don't worry about what's worked for others. And, and many times you actually don't get to make the decision if that makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> grad school is really, really competitive and we do have some students that get in right away. Um, but lots of times we're finding, you know, working for a year or two just to build up that experience um, just makes you more competitive. And so we're, we're just seeing a little bit more that to get into grad school, sometimes it takes a little bit of that, um, mm-hmm. you know, the LTE positions. Um, but I do think the LTE positions are great. They get, they get you to, uh, you know, obviously gain more experience, but to learn kind of what you want to do um, mm-hmm. before you dive right into, say, a master's degree and just, you know, kind of confirm that this is really what I want to do before you just jump right into, a, you know, a grad school project. Um, I guess the one challenge, sometimes people start working and, you know, it's hard. You, you get the money or you get a little bit settled. Um, and because the big thing with grad school is being willing to move around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the one challenge. If you know you want to do grad school, just just be ready that, you know, you might be getting kind of comfortable in your your somewhere, and mm-hmm. uh, then that might mean that you end up not you know going to grad school. So that that'd be the one kind of downside. But mm-hmm. um, again, it's different for everybody, and sometimes it's really not your your decision to be made. It's more what what opportunities present your are presented to you. Mm-hmm. So what was your thesis for your master's program when you came back to Stevens Point? I studied where walleye um, were spawning. Um, and so there was uh, walleye are obviously a really, really, you know, popular fish in Wisconsin. Everybody wants walleye. And um, there's always challenges with having enough walleye. And so, you know, you could stock walleye, but that's kind of a short term. And so there were a number of groups wondering if they could add um, walleye spawning habitat. And so they basically would say, let's, let's dump in rock and that should provide more habitat. And it wasn't working. Um, they, you know, they were seeing some walleye using these, uh, artificial reefs, but there weren't really seeing, you know, many new, um, um, recruits or, you know, more fish in general. And so the idea was let's take a step back and look at really closely at where walleye are spawning in a lake where they're successful. And so what I did was, uh, basically the day that enough ice came off the lake, uh, I got into a dry suit, which you know, makes me look kind of like a, an <laughs> astronaut or something and you snorkel and you find where all these eggs are. And so I marked all those spots. Um, and then you'd quantify the habitat at those spots and throughout the lake and you compare it to see what they were potentially selecting for. Um, but then I got to do some other really cool things. Every morning at one spot, I'd go out and find the new eggs each day because the eggs are actually sticky for about 24 hours. And so you could see literally where, you know, the walleye were depositing their eggs each day. Mm. Um, I couldn't do that for the whole lake. Um, but that was a really fun thing of seeing specifically where they were spawning. But then also did um, some uh, uh, really fine scale water temperature measurements to see if that was maybe doing, uh, you know, um, playing any roles in success or selection. And then even got into um, measuring wind and wave activity to see how that potentially um, influences eggs. Um, and so what was fine was from marking these eggs, you could actually follow where they're moving. And sometimes they're even moving up onto, uh, up onto shore. <laughs> so a lot of it was just really looking extensively at this one lake of what was all going on with uh, where the walleye were depositing their eggs, but then also what was happening in that month or so while they were incubating before they hatched. Hmm, that's really interesting. So could that be applied to um, other lakes and stuff? Uh, the, the, the research that you were conducting, was that basically um, something that you were hypothesizing to be able to use for that lake? Or is that something that has been developed already? Sure. And you 
kind of taking those measurements. Yeah, no. So um, in general, walleye spawn really close to shore in shallow water and over rock. And mm -hmm. so that wasn't anything too shocking. There's some studies from the 50s and 60s that, that basically said that, right? Um, but they did not do a good job of, of quantifying it. And then um, one of the ideas with us was that we could actually have models where then you could predict where the good habitat is, right? And so um, the, a, another student right after me, actually at the same time, she went up and did uh, two lakes in the Northwest. And she basically uh, collected her own data, but then also was seeing, you know, was my, did my model apply to uh, her particular lakes as well? And overall there, you know, there were some differences, but it was uh, pretty comparable. Mm -hmm. um, but that actually led to one of my first uh, graduate students here. When I got back, um, a DNR biologist from Minnesota contacted me and uh, he was really interested in doing some more of this, but across all of Minnesota. And so they weren't looking at nearly as, as fine of scale as I was, but the idea was to scale it up and look at lots and lots of different lakes, um, both with the where the walleye were spawning, but also a lot more with this wind and wave activity. Mm -hmm. And um, so between um, their work and my grad student, they did three seasons of sampling all of, all of these different lakes. And then also um, had, I think, five lakes with all the different wind and wave activity. And overall found a lot of the similar, you know, results. There were some differences. The lakes in Minnesota, some of them are much bigger. Um, mm -hmm. But what was really cool was then my, my student, um, Doug, actually developed a GIS model where based on um, lake characteristics and wind and wave, you potentially could predict what the substrates are. And then in turn, you could predict what, what um, um, you know, what fish might be using different parts of the mm -hmm. lake. And also why, you know, why uh, a bay is really silty and sandy and other areas are really rocky. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, lots of things kind of spawned all from that original, original question. But like I said, a lot of these, a lot of these things were known. It's more getting the numbers and, and, and developing some models to, mm -hmm. to help out. So a lot of that is pretty in-depth, what you're doing. Um, is there a way that like undergraduates uh, can get involved that's not necessarily as so heavily project-based or is it really, is it really getting hands-on with uh, one specific project that you can devote a lot of your time to? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think there's lots of different ways to get involved. Um, one, one way that, that has worked really well is obviously students want to get on the field, right? And mm -hmm. so that's, that's always a desire. It's just, it's challenging, especially in fisheries. There's um, training that gets involved, you know, involved. There's safety issues with with water in general. And then a lot of times we use electricity. Um, and so there's, you know, some, it, it's just hard for say a freshman to come in and say, Hey, I want to, you know, start sampling all the time. We, we can't just quite give the, the free reign uh, to that. And so um, something that's worked really well is, is getting students different data sets. And um, these can be things that were collected over multiple years, whether it was by previous students or, um, you know, the DNR or other, or other researchers, and it's, it's, you know, not as exciting that you didn't necessarily collect it on your own, um, but it is a way to really get involved with research and get to know um, people that were working on it or have a professor help you. Mm -hmm. um, with that said, we do have a variety of different, you know, op uh, potential opportunities to get involved with fisheries and water. Um, and these can be, you know, big scale projects or they can be pretty small. And so uh, once one study that kind of spawned, um, I guess, pun intended there, um, with the walleye stuff was that um, 
again, why are walleye selecting for, for rock over sand and silt? And so we just did a, a, a study in a controlled setting, you know, on campus where we, we, we dropped eggs into some different substrates and, and saw what, you know, saw what would happen. So it wasn't overly complex, um, but it was a really neat project that um, uh, Kat was able to complete. Um, so here, uh, I guess, you know, as far as really hands-on, a lot of what we're, what I've been doing with students is on uh, the Little Plover River, which is just, you know, 10, 15 minutes from campus. Mm -hmm. And we're doing lots of different stuff on uh, brook trout, but also there's been a lot of um, hydrology and water resources in this watershed. Um, I think if you're here long enough, you know, we talk about the Little Plover in lots of different classes. And so it, it's been this uh, interesting small watershed where there were sections that went completely dry mm -hmm. and that was connected with, um, limited precipitation, but also extensive groundwater pumping. And so um, lots of different researchers at Point have been looking at that. And I got here and I was like, hey, you know, what about the brook trout? And I'm also, uh, it's a little pet project because it's, it's literally right behind my, uh, in my neighborhood. Um, so initially I, I took some of the things I was doing down in North Carolina where we put these uh, little, little pit tags, um, little microchips into fish. And then there's antennas where they swim through and, and we can, uh, get a record of where they're at. And so the idea was if it dries up, we could figure out, you know, um, where are they going or are they really dying at, at heavy, uh, you know, in certain areas. Um, and so students have helped a lot with that. Some of it is just um, the initial fish sampling and, and tagging. Uh, um, and so we've got a couple opportunities per year with that, but then also students help with um, maintaining these antennas and some of it's just changing batteries. They have to get, uh, they're, you know, big marine batteries, they have to get changed once a week. Um, and so that's kind of what, what spawns stuff. But then um, from that now, we've actually got a diet study going on where students are comparing uh, brook trout diets compared to the invertebrates that are in the stream. Uh, we've got another one where now we're using radio telemetry um, to track them at a much finer scale to figure out where they're at. Um, and one of the reasons we wanted to do that was those antennas are only at a couple spots throughout the river. And so there's lots of other locations where they could go. And uh, one of Dr. Herman's recent grad students did a bunch of um, um, restoration work, trying to make the stream a little bit deeper or more complex habitat. And then uh, forestry uh, with Dr. Demchik and, and some others have been uh, doing different work in the riparian zone. And so the idea is can we um, evaluate some of these, you know, restoration efforts with, uh, with the radio telemetry. Um, and yeah, so there's been all these projects coming from that. And so that's the one where I've been able to really get undergrads involved um, and where there's lots of stuff where they can, they can go off and, and on their own. Um, another example from that is uh, starting in a week or so, students are just going to walk the streams and you can, act, you can literally see where the trout are spawning because they make uh, reds or nests. And so that's another project um, that's been really, really cool. And the interesting thing is um, the village and DNR and all these people are really interested in, in the results. So I think it's been cool um, that students can see, students can be a, a big part of it, but then also um, see that, you know, their, their results are being used. Mm -hmm. So where can students find all of like find these projects? So I'm a wildlife student and uh, with, with like the wildlife society, there's an entire page separately uh, for research projects that are going on um, and they're looking for co-leaders or applications or volunteers and stuff like that. So where can they find that kind of stuff? Sure. Yeah. And so that's, like I said, that'll be a little bit what I'm, I'm going to talk about at our, our fishery society meeting on, on Wednesday. Um, so they could always check that out as well. I'm, I'm guessing they'll record that and we can share that. 
Um, it's a little bit different from the fish from the wildlife society um, where we don't have necessarily just applications and things like that. Um, so honestly, where I've kind of gotten students is from other students saying, hey, you know, this student's really, really interested or um, they'll come they'll come find me and ask, you know, I'm really interested in some of your research. Do you have any opportunities? And so uh, sometimes there will be a spot right away, you know, especially when when some students graduate, um, you know, there's new openings. Um, other times, you know, I'll say, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll keep you in mind for for when something opens back up. Um, because again, I want I want the students that are involved to have enough uh, things to do and not just, you know, pile everybody into this this one project. Um, with that said, I've, I've always been willing to help out um, when students have their own uh, research project ideas. And so I've helped out quite a, quite a few students where they kind of had a project and then um, we were able to get some funding so that they could they could tackle that. Um, like I said, the, the, the fisheries is just a little more challenging than the wildlife due to some of these safety and, and just equipment, you know, challenges mm -hmm. of, of needing boats or needing electrofishing equipment. Um, so yeah, some of it's kind of uh, word of mouth. Uh, we do, um, you know, through the fishery society, we do a lot of different sampling opportunities mm -hmm. um, that they can at least, you know, get that opportunity, whether that, that turns into a research project, um, you know, that, that part um, is a little bit more, not, not quite as flexible. So yeah, so the students can kind of either reach out to you if they have a specific question or even if they want to get involved or the fishery society is a good place to start maybe. Yep. Yeah. And so we, you know, we do have other professors. Um, uh, Dr. Van Hey, you know, does uh, a variety of different fisheries research. Dr. Sadinsky is more on the uh, aquatic invertebrates. That's a, a great route to go because you don't need all that fancy equipment. Right. Yeah. Um, and so um, I think a lot, there's a, been a variety of projects with that. We also actually have a aquatic biomonitoring lab on campus. Yeah where um, some students are employed, but then also some research projects uh, can run through there as well. Um, and then we have a uh, Wisconsin Cooperative Fishery Research Unit, which is actually a federal program um, through the USGS and also show, associated with the university. And uh, they do lots of research. That's their main focus is, is research. And so there's times for students to get employment or, um, like I said, sometimes they collect so much data they can't do everything with it. And they, mm -hmm. um, they let uh, students work on the data. We also have a um, fisheries genetics lab that's um, in, in between, we're getting a new leader of it. Um, but historically there's been a couple students that work in there as well. And initially it's, it's doing the lab work, but then as you learn about it, um, there's been quite a few research projects that have spawned through that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not just me. Um, uh, there are a variety of, of, of uh, other, you know, fisheries and aquatic uh, aspects. And then there's Dr. Herman, Dr. Clancy is uh, hydrology. And then we have the whole wheel lab, um, which is more on the, the true um, water resources and, and chemistry side of things where students have been getting um, uh, jobs and then also some research projects come out of working there mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, so you've mentioned a lot about lab work and then you've also mentioned a lot about field work too what what kind of direction can students think about going into if they want to go into fisheries or water resources like are those really the only two options yeah great question um so obviously a lot of people get excited about the field work um so yeah. there's that there's that component um especially in fisheries that's that's often what draws people in um but same for water resources as well there's you know um, habitat um 
plants, you know, learning all those type of aspects. But yeah, there's a lot of lab work uh, as well. So um, especially in water resources, there's a lot of, of you know, the, the true lab work and then also the GIS work is, is pretty big, um, especially in things like hydrology. Um, so yeah, seeing, you know, which kind of thing excites you is always uh, a good thing for students to kind of, kind of figure out. And even for the field stuff, you know, that's, that's the fun thing, but then there's always the analyses and, and whatnot uh as well um so as far as jobs um you know there's there's lots of different technician jobs where it is you know the main aspect is the field sampling and maintaining equipment um and then um um, like we already kind of talked about the biologist positions those are where you're going to be using the data to make decisions including on uh you know fish regulations or um you know permits and stuff like that for for the water resources side of things Mm -hmm. Um, the other the other area that I think we've been seeing more students actually getting jobs, really good jobs right out of uh, college is in the uh, the private world. And so there are different consulting firms, um, whether it's on, you know, restoration projects of streams or lakes or wetlands. Um, but then also there's a lot of lake and pond management. Okay. And some of this is aquatic invasive species, you know, controlling Eurasian milfoil or some other invasives. Um, but then they also do a lot of other work because again the dnr we have so much water in wisconsin or just the midwest in general mm-hmm. um, that they can't assess every single water body and so um, some of these private companies are going in and, and doing fisheries assessments they're doing the water quality etc and um, those are some really good jobs that that people have been getting uh right out of right out of college that's really cool i think that'll be helpful for a lot of students to to kind of narrow down a lot what they want to go into that it's not just federal or it's not just uh like lab work heavy or something like that sure yeah and for fisheries there are lab as well like i said there's genetics uh mm-hmm. when we age fish that's a lot of lab work so it's kind of like you know you're, you're familiar with trees uh, uh mm-hmm. it's the same idea where we use different hard structures to, to count how old they are and that's a, a time consuming aspect there's identifying larval fish is all kind of lab work um a lot of the diet stuff and so yeah, there's, there is a little bit of everything for, for people. I mean, some people absolutely love the, the lab side of thing and, and there are opportunities uh, for those as well. Yeah, so we are winding down a little bit. I'm gonna ask you two last questions before we kind of close okay. down. Um, so the first one is what's, what's something that you don't like about either being a professor or working with fish? Like what's something that kind of upsets you a little bit? Okay. Uh, as far as professor, probably grading. <laughs> it's a, it's a total necessary evil, but it's, it's just really, really time consuming. Um, because I want to give you guys good feedback. You, you know, you all, you all are paying for, for me to, to be doing this. And so I don't want to mm-hmm. just, just breeze through it. And so, uh, it's just time consuming. Um, again, sometimes the really, you know, great papers are, are really fun and, and not that much work. And then some others are a lot of work, but you have to remember that, you know, you all are, are still learning. And so, you know, giving you that feedback is, is absolutely vital. And so it, it's a lot like, like, like you guys have for school where there's just those periods, especially towards the end of the semester that are just, just brutal. Um, mm-hmm. And then you get through it and it's kind of like you breathe and then you don't want to do anything for a little while. And then also yeah. <laughs> uh, starts up again. Um, so yeah, as far as, as far as the job, I'd say that's probably the, the toughest part. Um, and then there are lots of other things that we're trying to juggle. Like I would love to spend more time on research, but that's not necessarily what, you know, my, my job entails uh, at, at Stevens Point. Um, as far as fish go, it's just really challenging because you have certain windows um, 
where you have the opportunity sometimes to sample them. And so those, those windows, you know, you're working crazy hours, um, making sure, you know, you hit that spawning period or something. And then the other frustrating thing is it never goes quite as you plan. Fish will, fish will die on you or they do something totally unexpected, but that's, that's kind of part of the fun too. Equipment, equipment always fails. And so that's always some of the challenges, but looking back then it, it kind of, it keeps things interesting compared to if everything went smoothly all the time. Yeah. So then what about, what about the flip side of that? What makes you want to put a wetsuit on when it's freezing cold outside and get in the water? Uh, well, again, one, I've always loved water so that I just always enjoy getting out and about, but, uh, learning new things, uh, is fascinating to me. Um, you know, just, just the whole process of science, but then especially using that science that it, it can make a difference, I think is really what, what excites me. Uh, and now it's, it's, it's really getting, you know, getting students involved too, that, that they can learn. I mean, it's, it's so much better than just being in the classroom, um, but they can learn and then help, you know, help with the whole research process. Those, those results are useful. Um, but then really it's a great way to get jobs and to um, uh, get into grad school. And one of the, you know, the best things about, 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 about this job is actually keeping in touch with students and seeing all the cool stuff they're doing afterwards or when they, when they get their first, you know, full-time job and, and shoot you a message. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. So. Yeah, that's, that's super helpful for students to be able to hear. Um, I think that a lot of the students are going to be able to take, take a lot away from this and cool. what you were having to say was extremely helpful and informational for today. So yeah, thank you for, thank you for kind of giving that little, the little insight to your life and uh, what you do as a professor and day-to-day stuff is, is really useful. So hopefully students get a chance to talk to you and they can reach out to you through email, right? Is that a good way of communication for you? Yeah. Email is great. Um, just looking over my, my notes, I guess the one last thing is um, that I didn't really talk about is, is get to know other grad students, get to try to get to know some of the grad students because they're often looking for help. And that's another great way um, to get some of that experience is one thing I, I definitely wanted to hit on was uh, mm-hmm. that's another opportunity to get some experience. And then sometimes that can, you know, spawn some research projects as well. So um, yeah, feel, they can definitely feel free to shoot me an email. Unfortunately, you know, it's a little hard to just stop people in the hallways these days since we, yeah. we're not seeing each other much, but hopefully that'll, that'll end soon. And um, I often have a big beard, but I'm not scary, I promise. So <laughs> they, they can stop by and, and chat whenever they want. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in today. I hope that next week you can hear a little bit about uh, Dr. Hauer and his research with some forestry. So Stay safe, you guys, and I'll hear or listen to me next week. Peace out. Bye.